All right, all right, all right. This is the first, maybe only, but hopefully the first of many episodes of the Let's Do Sports podcast. Uh, I think this will be something I try to do every week for sure. But for those of you who don't know me, you probably won't know me, but my name is JJ Rivera. I am the host of this podcast. And I just kind of want to want to just have some fun uh, analyzing, I guess, one of the things that brings a lot of people together, and that's sports. And I just want to give give my two cents on it. And if you're like, hey, who cares about your two cents? That's fair, too. You know what I mean? But let's get right into it. Uh, but before we actually do get into it, let's just say and think about the past week has probably been... One of the best weeks to be a sports fan. So much, I felt so much happened in the past two to a week ago. Around that time, I feel like a lot has happened. And there's a lot to analyze. There's a lot to really calculate. And there's a lot to really see. So without further ado, let's start with the Super Bowl. All right. Woo. (laughs) The Super Bowl. The Rams defeat. Joe Shiesty and the Bengals and what was a really fun Super Bowl. I think it was probably probably one of the, the I think since 2017, I would say that that was the funnest Super Bowl I've seen because I felt like there was a lot of a, a, a lot of offense and, and a good mixture of defense, a lot of defense actually, but there was enough offense to offset that. So it's not just, um, you know, the, the Super Bowl with the Patriots and Rams, probably one of the worst Super Bowls we've seen ever. So I think that was a, a great game. And there's a lot lot to think about. There's a lot to really see. I know the game started with the Rams controlling the tempo. For the first quarter and a half, first quarter and half of the second quarter, the Rams were just on another level. They were controlling that pace and it really seemed as the Bengals were, first of all, being outplayed and being outcoached. And that is not something you want to happen in any game, let alone the Super Bowl. But the Rams were able to pull the, uh, the Bengals, were able to kind of change that momentum. In their last drive of the quarter, they were able to not only make a touchdown, but uh, get the extra point also, something that the Rams weren't able to do. And I feel like after that blocked extra point, it looked like the the Bengals were in the driver's seat. They were still down at this point. It was still 13 to 10, but it just felt as if the, the Bengals had more than the Rams. And that's not even counting Odell's injury because after Odell's injury, you can tell the Rams didn't exactly know what to do from that because the running game was so-and-so. And then you have to also think Cooper Cup is now getting double teamed. So it's it's kind of hard. And they were able to see it through. But before we get to the second half, um, we'll talk about the halftime show. <laughs> All right, quick. Yeah. Uh, the halftime show was probably the... 
I'll say, I'll say it was the, one of the best ones I've seen for sure. It, it makes me think about why in the, in a league that has, I don't know the percentage, but you would think predominantly black league with many black players, a lot of black staff members, why it took this long uh, for this, the halftime show to have hip hop in it. It's kind of weird, but. I mean, hey, we got it, and I think it was probably one of the funniest ones. Uh, you had what was it? Dre, Snoop, Kendrick. I don't know. I okay. <laughs> Ray's uh, wait, Dre, Snoop, Kendrick, Fifty Cent, and Eminem. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. I could listen to that all day every day and again they're not my favorite artists but again as the halftime show that was probably one of the better ones and and then and uh and uh and uh the scene of uh of snoop uh sea walking is actually probably one of the funniest things i've seen in in a little bit but uh, we'll get back to the football let's think about the third quarter and what exactly happened there it starts I think maybe one play and then the second play and then you see that that dime that dime Joe Shiesty Joe Berber threw one down the field receiver caught it rushes that thing down to the end zone now we have a very interesting game because now it's 17-13 it's 17-13 and you're really starting to see this Bengals offense really light it up. Think after that, the Rams scored three, and then the Bengals score another three, and then we get to the most important quarter because it was still very close. That's the thing. That's the, that's why I think it was probably the better, one of the better uh, Super Bowls in a while because it felt like it went down to the wire. So we get to the fourth quarter, and now... Cooper Cup just, he figured, they solved it. They solved the problem. Cooper Cup was getting double team, and he wins those double teams. Eli Apple was getting torched that game. I don't think it was as bad as some people are alluding to. If you've seen, you know, Twitter, uh, I was about to say Facebook, I mean Instagram, Twitter. He was getting torched. He was getting torched. But I don't, I don't think he was getting really beat up until the very end. But I think that's why you also make a you know, make these jokes that he is getting torched because he, he kind of choked in the end. Let's be honest. He, he really he really choked in the end, but it's not about him choking. It's about what the Rams were going to do. And Cooper Cup just made it happen. He made it happen. He said, you know what? I'm going to put this in, in our hands. I'm going to make this happen. And hey, there I do have one argument. I don't know exactly what the lines were, but I know it was third and goal and it was uh, a linebacker on one of the, one of the Rams receivers and he got called for uh I don't know what it was holding he, he got caught on holding I don't agree with that I don't agree I don't agree with that call at all I didn't, I didn't think there was enough to call holding uh was there some holding yeah but I feel like in the NFL we should all kind of know that there will be holding there was an egregious holding call on the Bengals. So I think that's why they gave it to him to them. Because the Bengals got away with one. I think they got away with the 
one of the touchdowns they scored. I don't know if it was the second quarter or the third quarter where the Bengals, the Bengals receiver just snatched Jalen Ramsey's helmet and he got the touchdown, but I don't remember which one it was. But I, I feel like at a pivotal point like that in the fourth quarter, I don't think you call that in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl, but it is what it is. And I, I didn't mind the players then going for holdings after that because they're just so close to the line that I feel like at that point, I do understand, like, you want to get them out of there in fourth, uh, in four downs. But, I mean, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And it's just, I just, I, I just think I agree with some of those uh, holdings that they got. But I just don't agree with that one by the linebacker because that was not, oh, I think he grabbed him by the waist a little bit. And he grabbed the little jersey, but he didn't like, he didn't snatch the jersey. He didn't grab, you know, you know, when you grab someone, like, he, he didn't grab them like that. He kind of just was maneuvering around them. But it is what it is. They call it, then the Rams score. Cooper Cup gets the touchdown pass. Eli Apple got torched again right there. And then it was all up to Joe Shiesty. It was all up to Joe Shiesty. And I, it was also funny because when I when I saw that the Rams scored, I didn't realize there was only so much time on the clock. And when there's only so much time on the clock, you know, it gets interesting because you don't know if uh, Joe is going to be able to, maybe he, if he had more time, he could make it happen. But we saw a, good, a few good pass attempts, but then when it came to it, they were fourth and one. And for some reason, they didn't call a run. I think I kind of understand why you don't call Joe Mixon on there because it is fourth and one. And, you know, you have Aaron Donald there. Like, they're going to say, like, it was a bad, like, coaching play. But I, I, I really feel like I understood why. It, this is not like a, a Marshawn Lynch thing, like a, a Seahawks thing where you're on, you're at the goal line. So why wouldn't you run it? And it's not like they have anyone, like, on the line that's, like, that scary. But they had Aaron Donald, they had Von Miller, so I kind of get the idea. And hey, Joe, Joe was trying to go for it. Joe was trying to go for it, and he just he threw he threw it up, and someone was there, and they just couldn't jump on it. They couldn't jump on it, and then that was your game. The Rams defeated the Bengals. The Rams, I think, I'll give them a good a good shout out. I. I didn't think that they were going to get it done. Not that I didn't think they were going to get it done, but I was really behind the Joe Shiesty train. I'm not going to lie. I think Joe, uh, he's going to get more. He's going to get more, but it, I just, I don't know. I don't like that idea of like, oh, but he'll get more. He'll get more because it's so hard. Like, you know how hard it probably was for him to, to, to get there this time. So now we're like, oh, he's going to get more like that. That doesn't really make sense to me whatsoever, but. It is what it is. Rant. Oh, my display just went crazy. Bad. Um, but it was it was a good game. It was it was a good game at the end of the day. Both teams have something to be proud of. Uh I think I, I started seeing things about Matt Stafford being a Hall of Famer right after the game, and I, I just felt like that. It's pretty hard. It's pretty hard to like, cause I feel like the first of all the quarterback, uh, that's one of those positions where you you need Super Bowls, in my opinion, to be considered a Hall of Famer. Uh, 
because the quarterback is just so pivotal. You know, Barry Sanders is one of the best, but he never won a ring. And he was on probably a very mid-team at that time. But I don't know if Matt Stafford is, is that guy uh, to be. They're going to give it to him. They're, they're going to give it to him. But I don't know. I don't know. Excuse me. They they just aren't. I, I don't I don't I'm not convinced when you like oh Matt Stafford Hall of Famer because he he wasn't winning he wasn't winning now you can say oh he was on Detroit but he had he had chances to leave Detroit too he didn't leave until he left so I don't I don't want to hear that oh he was on such a in such a bad organization you know he was he he was never gonna win well yeah I I, I wouldn't win if I was if I was Matt Stafford I wouldn't win either. So that's why you have to start putting your career in your own hands and not looking at the cash. But now that he did that, he is a winner. Do I think he's a Hall of Famer yet? No. I think with one more, no doubt. Do I think people are going to already call him a Hall of Famer? Yes. Do I think it's warranted? Not really. But who cares? You know what I mean? He's a winner. That's what I, I always think that for sure is more important, at least in my eyes. If you're a winner, who cares if if people don't think you're, you know, one of the most superior football players in the world? Because I do believe that winning in my eyes is more important than Hall of Fame. But for some people, it might not be. I do understand like some people do get like carry to championships but you know he worked for it and he knows he worked for it so who cares if he if he's considered a hall of famer in in people's eyes i i don't think so but again he's he he can prove me wrong i don't think he will i think this will probably be his only super bowl uh win but he can prove me wrong he proved me wrong uh so that was the 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 nfl section and let's get right into the UFC. We just saw UFC, and it was the main event was Israel Adesanya against Robert Whitaker. I thought it was a great main event. But one thing that I will do before I start with uh, the main card is I'm I'm gonna do a little thing. I don't know if this will be every time, but I wanted to talk about some. Let me shift a little bit. I wanted to talk about some, we'll say, some of the prelims. Some of the prelim fights. I think prelim fights don't get enough love. Because uh, those people are there to make statements and try to get on the main card. So I'll give them, I'm, I'm giving them some love right quick. And we'll start with, let me take the notes out right quick. Blood Diamond, who got defeated by Jeremiah Wells by submission. Let me get this quick sip right here. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Yeah, Blood Diamond got defeated by Jeremiah Wells by submission. Uh very handedly. Very handedly. Uh we we didn't really even see much of what Blood Diamond could do in the striking. He got a few shots off. Um but there there really wasn't much to see because uh you start the fight off. You start the fight off and <laughs> immediately Jeremiah Wells uh slips. Slips uh on the cage I think he slipped on. Uh, he kept his composure. He could have just like slipped, and then Blood Diamond just you know hits him a few times up on the head, and he gets knocked out. But he kept his composure, and he worked in the clinch. Uh, 
he got the underhooks and and as soon as he got the underhooks i was like wow this is quick like this is like he's already in a dominant position i know underhooks and clinch work isn't seen as important to some people but when when you get those underhooks you you control where you want to be on the ground or on the top you have like more of the chance to either get the takedown or stay up and he he got the underhook jeremiah well did jeremiah well got these underhooks and he took them down and he was so persistent it was it was like interesting watching it because i felt like he was missing i felt like he was missing the opportunity but he was so he was like i'm getting this rear naked like i'm gonna get this rear naked choke no one is gonna tell me otherwise because my goal right here, I'm trying to get him out. I'm, I'm. He's not gonna move. He's. I'm not trying to hit him or anything. I'm trying to get the rear naked choke. And you saw that a little bit to his detriment, because uh, Blood Diamond was moving enough to where he was making him like the, he was making the, the the submission attempt go into the wrong angles, so he couldn't really get the his arm under uh, the chin cinched onto the neck. And then Michael Bisping was saying some some word stuff that I was also agreeing with. I was also thinking that he should probably go for some shots because once you start ground and pounding, they're gonna start covering up, and then when they start covering up, you can just slip it right underneath underneath the neck. But he wasn't able to get that because I think he, he was getting some shots off, but he wasn't like you can tell like that rear nate he wanted. He was not going to be satisfied with anything other than a submission, and. He got him, but they, it was it was really weird because I it was so open. Like he could have just ground and pounded him, but I think he thought that if you ground and pounded, he, there was a chance of uh you know you know because when you ground and pound, the arms go kind of up, and there was a chance that Jeremiah could have probably tried to no there was a chance that Blood Diamond could have kind of shooken him off, gotten him off of there, and I I think that's why he was so persistent on it. He ended up getting it, and it was interesting because I guess the question is where does uh where do you both go from here? But more Blood Diamond. Jeremiah, I want him to, to get a few fights in and, and then go to ranked. And then Blood Diamond, uh, you know, this is like, I think his first UFC fight, if not his second, but for sure his first. And he didn't look good out there because now you, you, you don't want him to have a, you don't want, He's like for with a performance like that, he's in danger of people being like, "Oh, you know what? I know his his weakness, and his weakness is you know takedowns." The same thing that happened to Izzy. People think that they have a have a or a better a better example could be I think Anthony Pettis, who was on the top of the world, and then Rafael dos Santos just decided I'm gonna take that all away from you. And he basically put a game plan out. And now everyone knows that to be Anthony Pettis, you have to be high pressure, have to get takedowns, and for sure you'll, you'll beat him. You don't want to strike with him. Maybe you can now because he's just he's older. But back then you had to be high pressure and high takedown. Uh, think of a fighter like Kobe, Col Kobe Covington who can uh, maybe not bring you with the most power but can touch you up and then also take you down. And he just was never able to recover from that game plan being out of there, out into the wild. So Blood Diamond, uh, he's going to have to learn from Izzy and Volkanovski in how to um, be a, a good anti-wrestler. Because you don't want to be 
in a position where people have that game plan on for you because there's a lot of great wrestlers in the UFC and you know if they know how to beat you they're going to they're going to use if there's something out there that'll help them beat you they're going to use it to their fullest extent but good showing by Jeremiah Wells again I want him to fight maybe uh, once or twice more, maybe probably twice or three times more, and then get a ranked opponent because even though he did uh, really dominate this fight, who's to say if Blood Diamond didn't have a little bit of some better takedown defense and groundwork that he was going to win this fight. So interesting, but uh, good win. Good win by Jeremiah Wells. And then with the second fight, we'll talk about the prelims, is the... O'Neal Mataferi fight, which I thought was a, a real good fight. I thought those two put on a show for the Houston crowd. Um, I have a few notes here. Uh, all in all, first of all, it's uh, um, when the fight started, I, I didn't really like what the commentary was saying, I'll be honest. Uh, they had they had a few bad showings tonight, but I felt like this was probably one of the worst ones. Uh, we'll we'll get into why, but as the fight started, we saw, I think what everyone kind of knows but doesn't say because it kind of sounds a little rude. But Roxanne Modafferi has a real awkward style. She she has well had I guess she doesn't fight anymore, but she has a real awkward style like she she just moves really awkward like there is no rhythm to it like she's she's fighting against the beat she's fighting against the rhythm she is not trying to stay uh as which i guess is a good thing she's not trying to stay on on you know a straight line she's like zigzagging but not really zigzagging because like that's still kind of like a pattern so she's zigzagging and turning the straight line then another curvy line it's crazy but when we when we start when we saw the first round, I really um, you know we see the awkward movements and and it also looked like Casey was starting slow or something because she was not the same fighter she was in round two and round three. I don't know if she's a slow starter or if she just kind of doesn't know the timing yet. And then afterward, that's when she got the timing. But for sure, she starts. The, the, the fight and I to me to me I I really felt that Roxanne won that first round like I don't I don't really care I understand like we'll talk about the result at the end but to me Roxanne was landing the far because we know we know with how the rules are set up with how they're written out what we know and what people I feel forget is that damage trumps all damage is the number one thing without damage or if you're just pitter-patting and then someone rocks you, they're going to win. The the person that's pitter-patting the whole round is not going to win against the person that, that got rocked. I mean, the person that rocked them. Okay, they're not going to win. Damage trumps all. That's how the rules are written. So I felt as though she was hitting the more damaging shots. Yes, yes, there was. She was, um, what was it? Uh, Casey was, was finding some of those shots and some of those shots were landing. But I felt that Roxanne was hitting the far harder shot. You could hear it. You could hear the shots land. It, w- it was not even, not that it wasn't a close round, but I mean, like, the idea that that Roxanne was getting 
so far outclassed because this is what I'm talking about the commentary. They were like, oh, but, but, you know, she's, they, they, every time they give, they give Roxanne such a compliment and then they just take it away right after because it would be like, oh, well, Roxanne has a truly, truly, truly interesting style. Uh, you know, she's landing all these shots, but don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong though. Casey O'Neill. Casey O'Neill's winning this round. She's winning every, every, every exchange they're having. She's winning the round. Casey O'Neill was bloodied up after the first round. Let's just get that straight up. She she was bloodied up after the first round. I felt as though the first round went to Roxanne Mataferi because she did far more. She did far more in that first round than Casey did. Casey was was nailing down the timing and she was hitting her, but I don't I don't, I don't think she was putting putting power in them either because it, it looked like she was hitting her, but they weren't affecting Roxanne until the second round. But in that first round, Roxanne Modafferi needs to get a little bit more respect right there because she's she's making contact, but for some reason apparently like, oh okay, but remember Casey hit a jab though. Even though they just had a full exchange and Roxanne clearly hit maybe four of the six that she threw. But Casey hits those two those two jabs at the end of it. So it looks like she wins. I don't know what I, I feel like. I'm not going to call Bisping a homer because I I, he could care less. Right. I mean, obviously, he does care about like some of those fighters from the UK and things like that. But I, I, just, I think they just stopped because it was Roxanne's last fight. And, you know, Casey is probably going to be a star. I don't know if she'll win the title, but, you know, she is probably going to be a star. Um, I think they thought, oh, well, let's push Casey. Let's push Casey as, like, this world beater. But we'll get into the next round. Round two starts, and Casey actually started really heating up. She was she was hitting her with stuff. I felt like, what was it, round two? Uh she was she was hitting her with a lot of things, and I I don't know if any of them ever got rocked. Like both of them didn't get get rocked. We'll we'll take that for sure. Uh, they didn't get rocked. None of them got rocked. But what I did see what was interesting in that round was that towards the end of it, Roxanne goes for a takedown and she got it, and she got it. She went for that takedown and she got it. So now there's a takedown in there, and I was intrigued on why she didn't try to go for another one i mean i do know that out of the three i think it was three right she threw she tried for three takedowns she got stuffed on one so i do understand like the idea of maybe i don't want to overstay my welcome there because if i go for a takedown and she times it i'm probably going night night let's be honest and she didn't go for those takedowns but i i thought she should have kind of like added them somewhere in the, that round three push because I think round three for sure, we'll say round two was really competitive, but I think round three for, sh- for sure was Casey O'Neill. That's when you can say, oh, Casey's getting, you know, lighting her up. I don't think she was like getting far outclassed, but yeah, she was actually winning those exchanges with the harder shots. But man, I hated, I hated that commentary because they're just like, they're just, instead of, I don't know, instead of just calling it like how it should be called, they're out there just like, it felt like they were waiting for her to get TKO'd. Like, they legitimately were just talking about this woman like, oh, man, she's getting hit too much. She's getting hit too much. She does this for a living. She's she's fought 45 times. I think that was her 46th fight. That's more of DC, more than DC and freaking um, Bisping combined. Now, obviously, they're world champions, different thing. But don't give, don't act like this woman hasn't been there before. You know what I mean? This woman has done it 
all. She's done it all. I guarantee you, bruh. She has more wins than losses. Obviously, the record isn't the nicest. But she's been there. She's been there. She knows what she's doing. So this whole thing of, like, waiting for her to get TKO'd, I thought was very disrespectful for her last fight. But all in all, good fight. Good fight by both of them. Um, I know that some a judge gave it to Roxanne. I don't know exactly what the cards were, like what what rounds they gave to her. If one of the judges gave, if the judge that gave her the win gave her round one, I would, I would, I would not mind that. Actually, let me check right now. Let me check right now. Let's let's pull pull the old iPhone out. Oh God, I'm almost dead. Let's see this right quick. Oxen versus O'Neal card score. Oh my God, I'm on. I'm on ten percent. I'm on ten percent. Okay, and. Okay, so the, the person that gave Mata Ferry the win gave her round one. Oh, and a lot of people gave... Dang, okay, that's weird because... So, so uh, Robert Alexander, this is the guy that people have a problem with right now. Um, he gave Roxanne Mata Ferry round one and round three. Now, I feel as though round three was for sure uh, Mata Ferry. I mean, uh, Casey O'Neill. And I think, again, the commentator was like, she didn't win a single round. Not a single round. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Y'all do that. Y'all, y'all, do, y'all do this, right? Like, y'all go here. Like, come on, man. And then the other two that gave it 29-28 to O'Neal actually gave her round three. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I, I felt as though that first round was my fairy. So we'll see. We'll see. But. I just don't don't think it's as as bad as they were saying. Like that woman was getting her like if she was getting beaten up because I don't think she was getting beaten up at all. Way okay. Now we're at the main card. Oh, actually, <laughs> I should have done this before. Uh, quick shout out to Andre Arlovsky, forty three year old. He's out there winning these uh heavyweight fight. I think he's on a three three fight tear and one of them was against Tanner Bowser. Hey man, he's doing it. He's doing it. That that man's a, a freak of nature, bro. 43 years old. Um and he knows how to he knows how to fight. He's he's point fighting now for sure. He's not he's not there for the knockout. And I do understand like if he goes like he's not beating someone like uh Francis or um, you know, anyone who has devastating power and can kind of rush him, he's not, but if he can stay, like, if he can stay away from you, like, if you're not as mobile as some of those guys, because, because we saw Francis against Big Boy, uh, Rosenstrike, and he can charge, and if he's going to go against a charger, he's, he has no chance, right, but, that there, I, like, I doubt he could beat like surreal, and he'll probably will get outboxed by someone like Stipe. But like, you know, um, 
Bam Bam, like if he, if he can stay find a way to get away from Ty, if he can find a way to get away from like Derek Lewis, there's some there's some heavyweights that I think like excuse me, that like I think Walt Harris is like 13. I know for a fact that Arlovsky is beating Walt Harris. Like I, I'm I like no disrespect. I just I just don't see him beating Walt Harris. Like losing to Walt Harris. I think he can. He'll probably lose to someone like Curtis Blades. You know, I don't think he's that. He's gonna. He there's a level of who can, he can beat. But again, shout shout out to Arlovsky for. You know these young heavyweights. They they lining him up. They're lining him up, and then he's knocking them all down. He's knocking all these heavyweights down. Should he be ranked? Don't know, but great performance with him, and we'll get on to the main card, and that started with Bobby Green, Houston's own. No, I'm playing. He's not from Houston, but he was getting cheered like he was from Houston, man. Uh, he's all hood. Let's just be honest. He, he's he's all he's all gangster, man. Like he he was he was really out there. Um, he went against uh, Nazrat. Hakparas is Nasrat Hakparas or Hakparas, Hakparas, Hak Hak Hakparas, Either way, he beat him by decision, and man, did Bobby Green look good. Nasrat was out there just—I don't know what the game plan was. I'll be honest, because he he was he was going for the shell, but you know, with the shell, you're kind of supposed to move around. At least what I what I was always told is. When when you're in a shell, when you're in a shell, both arms up. The goal is to to kind of move around, move away, move around. You know, bob and weave from the punches, so you can kind of in and then pop, in and then pop, so you can get a few shots off. But he would just stand in front of Bobby Green. He would stand in front of him. He would he would he would put he would put both hands up, both hands up, and then Bobby would just punch right through the guard. Because he would hold the guard, he would hold, he would use his fist and then keep the arm straight out, spread out. So he would just punch through his his arm guard, and it, and it was weird. It was weird because that that was most of the fight. Bobby Green took round one, just like how I told you. He I felt Nasrat was controlling like because you you would you could see that Nasrat con- controlled the the octagon. Because I, I always felt like I was watching Bobby's back to the cage. Bobby's back was mostly to the cage. So, uh, and Nasrat was kind of in the center. And he just gets punched right through. Bam, bam. Punch right through. Had nothing for him that first round. And then it was funny because they, they, they were in each other's face. It, it, looked, it looked real. Like, not that there was beef, but they looked like they wanted each other's blood right there because... The before they even start, I think Bobby walks around the ring and then they just look at each other. They just look at each other that stare down. Like they they were there to fight. They knew what they were gonna do. They were they were there to fight. And then it, uh, between for the first round, they look at it, the round ends and they're both in each other's face again. The ref has to separate them. Bam, we get into the second round, and I think it was the the second half of the second round. Nasra actually came alive, and it and it looked like a fight right there. That's the fight that I thought we were gonna have. If you if you watch from two thirty of the second round and on, or what's left, that was the fight that I thought we were gonna get because that was really competitive. I don't I don't know what the co- I don't remember what the coach was told Bobby, but I'm guessing he told him like you know, 
get a few punches, don't get wet, you know what I mean? Or what, what is it? What is it? Jump in the water, but don't get wet or something like that? Something like that. Um, and I don't, that's not what he told him. That's just what I think. That's what, what it looks like he told him because then he went back to the, to the round one plan and he just outclassed him. But before we get, he just, before we get to the, to that, uh, one, I forgot to mention that at the end of the second round, Bobby Green punches, uh, Nazrat's, uh, mouth guard he punched him so hard that the mouth guard fell out and then it was funny because i'm not gonna say the word exactly what he said but i was uh, he said he told nasra to his face he points at the mouth guard and he says pick it up you know what pick it up b i'm not gonna spell the rest of it but he said pick it up b and i was like whoa like there's there's a lot of not that like cursing is like whoa oh my god but I like that was that was tension right there. That was tension right there for sure. But you know, uh, Nasrat, I th- no, what was it? Bobby Green, I have right here, one hundred and sixty three significant strikes. I don't know how much Nasrat have has, but I still, does it really matter? Uh, Bobby Green was jabbing him up, touching him up with those significant strikes, and he got it clear. And and I I felt like some of those rounds were not just um. Because he, he won 10-9 every round. I felt like there was a few 10-8s. Because I remember... What was it? There's a few fights now. Now I feel like if you're just getting outclassed on the feet, they'll give you a 10-8. But, and I felt like round one and round three were... At least round one to me was a 10-8. But what do I know? Um, coming from this, after that... Uh, the all, all I can say is I hope Bobby Green gets a main event. Cause he 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 did it. He look he has a five round style for sure. So I hope he gets a main event. But I realize that he's I don't even think he's ranked. So he'll probably have to get a few more fights in before he gets a main event. But hopefully he stays active. He's thirty five. Uh, I think DC was like he's only thirty five, and I'm like he's thirty five though. So like yeah, he's only thirty five, but he has to stay active because he's only he's he's already thirty five. You know how many killers are coming up, especially. What is he? What what is he? A one fifty? Uh, I think he's one fifty five or so. He needs a, you know, I don't know. But he he needs to fight someone ranked. I don't know if if he's they're gonna give him a ranked fight next. All I would say is for sure that if he doesn't get a ranked fight next, he should get, fight one more time and then get a ranked fight. Cause I feel as though he has done enough to earn a ranking he's done enough to earn a ranking in my eyes and we're back okay second second fight of the main card Hanato Moicano at versus Alexander the Great and that ended with a Hanato Moicano submission to Alexander Hernandez the rear naked choke Alexander tapped uh Interesting, interesting fight. I can't say I'm surprised, I'll be honest. I don't know. I don't know if Alex is 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 going to be one of those guys ever. But I know he's not one of those guys now. You know what I mean? I know he's just not going to be one of the top guys in that division unless he fixed a lot of glaring holes, I feel. I feel like he gets outboxed a lot. I, and And... You, you know, because I, I I I saw the fight and I was like, it could be he's a choker, but I was just like, I don't think that's it though. 
I don't think it's like Cerrone where you can obviously see when Cerrone fights, you know, the top top guys in his division. There's just something about it that he's just he, when the light goes the brightest, he he ends up to just shrivel. He wants to curl up into a ball. It's kind of what happened against Connor. I don't think he's he, he's not fighting any high level. You know, he's on a he's on a pay per view, but I just don't think that's high level. Maybe I'm lying. You know. Let's, let's get this straight before I keep going. Because someone's like, he could beat me up or he makes more money than me. And he does. Do both. But as a fighter, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like he, he he's in a hard position. Because I don't, I'm not going to call him a choker because I just don't think he's good enough. I, I don't think, he, like, if he was good and then we saw the, the, the level, like his level drop, I call him a choker. I don't think he's a choker. What I think. Is that he's not good enough. You know, he, he debuted Benil Darius and he TKO'd him in like 42 seconds or something like that. I, I don't know if that's to his, his benefit or to his extent because now we're expecting stuff like that. And he's really turned into a 50-50 fighter right as of right now. He's winning some, he's losing some. And, you know, he has to kind of figure out what, what he is because if he... He's going to keep doing this. His career is going to go nowhere. You know what I mean? He's going to keep doing this until he's dead. Not dead. I mean retired. He's going to keep doing this until he, until he retires. So I don't know if he's not realizing his potential or what it is. But shout out to Big Money Moicano. I, think, I thought that was really funny. Uh, I think because it started with the first round. Uh, competitive first round. Pretty close. I, I, I really couldn't tell who won that per se. But they looked really sharp when they when that fight first started. Even the start of the second round, they looked really sharp. But yeah, they were there was a it was a really close first round because they were really like when when they would connect, they were con- no one was missing because they were mistiming. People were missing because people were weaving and dodging. You know what I mean? There was there was no they were both sharp. They were hitting each other sharp. They were you know they were doing they were doing great. They were doing great. Uh, the second round starts. Actually, I thought I I think one thing that did happen was his gas tank. Uh, Alex Hernandez's gas tank was pretty much done. He they they fought at a fast pace in the first round, to be honest. But I remember he sits down. He sits down, and I, he's not paying attention. Like his coach is talking to him, and he's not paying attention. Uh, you know, some people are. He's probably in the zone. He's probably trying to pay, but like he just wasn't paying attention. Because because if you're coach, it's one thing when. Oh, it doesn't look like you're paying attention. You know what I mean? But his coach knew he wasn't paying attention. And I don't know if his gas tank was worried and he was kind of worried about the rest. But the second round starts, they're they're still having a pretty fast-paced match. But then Moicano lands like a three-piece, a four-piece, a five-piece, the whole souffle, the whole souffle, the whole buffet. And he freaking... So... Alex gets pushed back from the shots. He kind of, he, he he moves back away. I don't know what happened. He went for a takedown, but he just he fell on his back. I don't know if the plan was for him to get like to to be in bottom position or if the, he he got stuffed because you know he was still rocked. He was still rocked when he went for it, so it could be either one. But he goes for the takedown. He ends up on bottom. And then realistically, that's all she wrote because Moicano worked for maybe a minute or two, and it was it was over. It was over for her. he got he he didn't even get it under the chin. That's why I think he was exhausted. Alex was exhausted because Moicano did not get it under the chin. But Alex, as soon as that he was in that position, Alex tapped. So 
jeez. Uh, uh, Moicano had a funny. I, I don't know exactly what the words were for it, but at the at, after the fight. After the fight, he was able to cut a cut a a long promo. He cut a real long promo, and he said he said he wants big money. And it was sad because uh, Dana at the end he announces the people who get the fifty k, and he didn't get the fifty k. So big money Moicano did not get the big money tonight, but great performance. Uh, he's he's a one. I I I read that he was. So big money Moicano was able to. I read I read that he was at one forty five, and then he went to one fifty five, and that's crazy because he looks like a perfect one fifty five er. So good thing for him, he found his weight class. He doesn't have to kill himself to make weight, and I want to see more from him. I think I think he's closer to a rank fight than uh, a lot of people. But shout out to. Uh, Moicano, because I think I think next fight should be, if not one more fight, but I think Moicano should be given a ranked opponent. Uh, okay, third fight. Let's go to the next fight. Jared Cannonier TKOs uh, Derek Brunson, and what was a a really really competitive fight? No, it was weird. <laughs> not competitive. Well, it was competitive, but in a sense. One one person dominated each round. So the fight starts, and we already know. Derek Brunson says this is his last run. He's not trying to do more. Um, he's trying to fight two more times. With whatever the result, I'm done. Cannonier um, comes in wanting a title fight also because the winner of this fight was going to get a title fight because we're not going to do Izzy and uh, Whitaker again. Which we thought, but we're not gonna do it so quickly against the other, uh, you know, soon after. So Cannoneer, uh, the the fight Cannoneer, the fight starts with Brunson going for takedowns. He goes for so many takedowns, and they get stuffed at first. They get stuffed at first, and Brunson finds one. He got he got a what was it the high single? I I think that's what it is. He because it was funny because. Kenneer did not want to go onto his back at all. Kenneer did not want to get onto his back. He 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 did a whole split of just Brunson picking up his leg, but then he got him down, and Brunson works. He got back up, but Brunson I think took him down one more time, and then after that, because now Kenneer is waiting for the takedown, he gets clipped by Brunson right hand and gets dropped, and then. As, as he gets dropped, Brunson then works for the rear naked choke, another rear naked choke. The same one, the same way he beat uh, Darren Till. 
where Darren Till was on the ground. He he punched and punched and punched until he could get that rear naked choke in. He got the rear naked choke in, but and under the chin, under the chin. Like there's no but there was I think ten the clapper had already went off and I think Jared actually heard the clapper. I think the clapper tells the fighters that there's at least ten seconds left or something like that. And he hears the clapper and he just controls his breathing. He controls his breathing, doesn't get uh doesn't fall asleep. And I, I truly believe that if that clapper didn't go off, like I said, well, there was no clapper. He probably would have tapped, but I, I, he per, he persevered and he was like, okay, I probably just really lost that round, like ten eight maybe because I kind of got messed up. But he, he he took he took it on the chin and in round two, I don't know if you could say adjustments because it also looked like at the start of round two, Cannonier lands one big one. Well, let's get this straight. Round two stars, Brunson goes for the same thing again, and he gets a takedown in the center of the octagon, which is scary because, but I, I don't, it's weird because I don't think Brun, uh, to, geez, I don't think, uh, Cannoneer, um, I think he just gets up with power. I, I don't, I don't, or maybe he doesn't, but it just looks like he gets up with power. So I was like, oh, wait, he might gas out. But after that last takedown, after that control time on the ground, Brunson was not the same guy. I think he was exhausted. Because then Cannoneer hits him with one shot, and he's exhausted. He's he's out of there. He's out of there. He's He just looks tired. He looks like, let's say you haven't worked out in a long time. You added some pounds, and then, and then instead of bodybuilding, you decide, I'm going to hop on this treadmill right quick. He looked like that. Like, he was just so exhausted. Like, after a newbie on that treadmill. And... You know, Derek Brunson hit him with some good, good shots, some good elbows, and then he gets him down. Uh, he gets a good elbow shot that gets him, that gets uh, Brunson rocked. Kennedy hits a great elbow shot, gets Brunson rocked. Uh, I think then he takes him down. After he takes him down, he puts him in, th- I think he was either in full on top mount or in half guard. And he goes for some elbows from hell and it was weird <laughs> it was not, not it was funny but not in like oh yeah he got he got knocked out it was more funny that the dude is getting his face beat up and i don't know i felt like the coaches should have kind of done better there because they throw the towel but they throw the towel very like they threw the towel as he got knocked out you know what i mean i, I don't know what that was because i think it was pretty pretty obvious once he went down he was not there uh brunson once once he went down he was not he was not he was not fully cognitive of what was going on and i don't know if if i was gonna throw the towel i'd throw it there because they had it in their hand already you would think but they throw it as he gets knocked out didn't really even matter and cannoneer Another another good I swear there was so many good promos after the fight. Another one after the fight and he just tells Dana I'm next and he is next. He he's 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 the most obvious challenger next. So he's gonna see Izzy. I think the plan they want Izzy wants to fight in June, so it'll be probably sometime around there. Um for Brunson, uh it's weird because I, I would tell Brunson actually, you know, if you if you win another fight you're probably next because Adesanya is not trying to fight 
well, like as we learned after the fact, he he wants new new like he says he wants fresh meat. So I, I would tell Brunson to stay for one more fight, and I'm pretty sure after that fight he will if he beats someone like Vittori or Costa or someone up there, Strickland, he could probably he will probably be next if I I'm, I'm pretty sure. Okay, and now we go to the co-main event of the evening, Taito Ivasa, who, ugh, ooh, I love him, but he, he, he beat my guy. He beat Houston's own Derek Lewis in Houston. Uh, one thing that I saw really early was they respected each other and they knew that they were going to have a war, which was really cool to see that like they knew they wanted to fight each other's uh. They wanted to knock each other's head off, and they did. They they were knocking each other's head off. Tuivasa, uh, I I think <laughs> the fight was interesting to see because Derek Lewis. I think to me, Derek won the first round for sure. He got the takedown. He got some control. He worked there. But one thing that I wasn't rating and I didn't notice until after the fact was uh, whenever they got in the clinch for Derek to t- get the takedown. Uh, Tuivasa's work with like the knees to the gut and and some of those sh- elbow shots and some of those shots on the inside when they're clinched up are really underrated. That that damage can add up, and I think it ended up adding up really. I, I think that damage that he gave Lewis uh, probably propelled him to get the win because so the first round happens and we and we see NCAA Division One champion All American. <laughs> Derek Lewis get the takedown and he works him and I don't know yeah okay he get, he gets the takedown and he works him and he gets some good shots in Ty gets up they end kind of striking hard both each other trying to go for the end but no one finishes it we go into round two and I'm kind of nervous because it's a three round fight and I'm just like hoping that Derek can the cardio stays up but I just see all these shots to the gut and I'm like he's either going to end it or someone's going to end him. And, ah, man. Like, I'll also also point out, um, because I don't want this to... uh, Louis Louis hates uh, fighting in Houston. He says it so many times that he absolutely hates fighting in Houston. He does not... um, I I remember him saying he didn't want to do that ever again. Uh, But this time, he didn't look too nervous. I just don't think he he wants to do five-rounders, like, main events. I think he does actually kind of choke. Because, what was it? He lost. I think his last loss before, you know, the title losses were... I think Mark Hunt? No, I think he lost at DC after that, too. But he had a fight against Matt uh, Mark Hunt. And he lost to him, too. So that's why I was kind of nervous. Because I know Tuivasa was Mark Hunt's, like, punching bag. And I was like, Mark Hunt knew what to do against Lewis, and Tuivasa probably had the same idea. Uh, but they get into the clinch again, and I think this is the round where he rocked, or was it round one? I'm not sure. But Lewis rocked him, but I knew he wasn't going to knock him out just because on some, like, funny stuff. They say that the Samoans have, like, the coconut heads, like, on some not, like, not even trying to be weird with it. But that not and I guess I probably could have worded it differently. But they have like, they they have they all have chins basically. That's that's kind of like the joke that they all have chins, um, and I just 
I saw him kind of, unless Ty went limb, I was not gonna believe it. I've seen Ty go limb, but I just wasn't gonna believe that. But that clinch work, man, that clinch work, you know, they 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 start trading, and then he clips Lewis, and then it reminded me of what was happening. Oh wow, it reminded me of what was happening with Surreal, where uh when uh, Surreal clipped Lewis, Lewis's uh, instinct isn't to guard up; it's to keep going until he clips the other dude back but the problem was that was they they went to trade and lewis maybe hit two of what he threw and ty was hitting him with everything and i was like wow okay and then they so they get into the clinch then and he just and tui vasa just elbows elbows lewis and lewis goes down out of probably exhaustion and probably getting rocked and knocked out. Um, they, they, and I think uh, we should have kind of expected this because he kind of did the same thing to uh, Sakai where he worked him in... Because in, it, it was kind of like the same thing, just not really the same. But he got Sakai into the caves that were clinching and then he knocks him out there. Um, he kind of did the same thing to to Lewis, but hey, uh, good fight, uh, kind of feel bad for Lewis, I know now that means Tai Tuivasa is a top three fighter in the heavyweight division, does he beat, the question is, does he beat, um, those fighters, the other fighters in top three, my answer right now would to be, to say no, I don't think he beats a surreal gone. I don't think he even beats a Stipe. I don't think he. I doubt he beats a a, a, a Nganu. Um and I don't think he beats Curtis Blades. So uh, he has work. He has work to do for sure. You know, Mark Hunt did it, but Mark Hunt without the heavy heavyweight was not as skilled as it is right now. So not that Mark Hunt won the title, but he. I think he got into a interim title fight. So. Yeah, I don't see him beating beating any of those top five guys, but you never know. You never know. He's he's always he's always getting better. That's all we know. When when the UFC was pushing him way back in the way, like a few of like a good few years ago, and then they rushed him against uh Junior Del Santos, which I thought was a terrible fight for him. And then guess what? He got destroyed by Junior Del Santos. Do I think he would beat him now? Yes. So that's why I'm I'm thinking. In the future, I could see him because he, he uses the leg kicks, the clinch work again. But I don't know if he, he st- he's up there with the top heavyweights. Derek Lewis, I'm kind of intrigued with because I think he can beat some of the other guys in the heavyweight division. And like the top guys. But I don't know if he's his, his cardio and his nerves will let him. Because I do think he can beat some of those top guys. I think Nganu is not going to be one of those guys, but I think he can give Stipe a run for his money because he has he has great timing, and you know we saw him beat Blades. He doesn't have to face Blades, so the next dude for him would have to be someone uh, below him for sure. Um, and Ty, I don't know. I don't. I actually don't know who's next for him, because uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think he'll face one of the top guys, you know, there are so many things that's going on. It all it all really depends on what's gonna happen with Nganu and what's gonna happen with Jones. And we just don't know what will happen just yet. 
but shout out to both of them both of them put on a show and that was their goal to put on a show and they had some fun fight a fun fight and both of them can put on fun fights so you know shout out to Tai Shui Vasa and the Black Beast Derek Lewis um and now we go to the main event of the evening it's time indeed so Israel Adesanya defeated Robert Whitaker by decision and man was it a close fight I think it was actually a close fight I know some people are like it was competitive some people say Robert won and I just don't agree excuse me I don't agree with the idea that Robert Whitaker won I'm, I'll be honest I think when they announced that Izzy won I felt like he he had he did he did everything he had to 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 win that fight but I think he he he's getting some uh, some fair criticism. Uh, I I don't know if he's cause cause he's not playing with his food. That's the thing. It's not like it's not like Anderson where he where he's playing with his food. But I I don't know. I just he he did it was it was a little bit of an ugly fight. But I don't think that's all all on Adesanya's fault. If we're being honest, that the fight wasn't. As good, it was a close fight, but I think as a as a viewer, you could you you kind of saw that it was a little, little a little. Now I wouldn't call it boring because I actually found it entertaining, but I can see why some people would call it boring. Um, so we start with the first round, and immediately this is round. This is basically the first round of this fight was basically round one of their first fight, where Izzy outclassed Whitaker and knocked him down. And I didn't, I was kind of shocked he he went down on a shot that I did didn't seem to have a lot of power, but looking back on it, he hit him on right on the button, so I wasn't surprised that he went down after the fact. But <laughs> Whew. excuse me, excuse me. Oh man, oh man, let's get back on track. My apologies. Uh, but yeah, he hit him with a. I didn't think that was gonna knock him down, but it did knock him down. And uh, Whitaker goes to the corner, kind of dejected. Uh, he looked, he looked, um, he looked defeated actually right after that. I don't think he was. Oh, I'm not gonna win this, but it, it's it's rough for him because he had that first fight and he was outmatched. He he looked he looked out of out of his uh, ordinary, and then he fights three more times to get this uh, rematch, and then. He gets the rematch. He goes into the fight, and he looks like he's outclassed again. So clearly, in his head, it wasn't great. Now round two was close, and what you saw in most of this fight was uh, Robert using using that left hand to cut off anything Izzy was gonna do. Because I think that whole fight he did not want. Not that he didn't want to, but I think he thought if he uses his right, he's always gonna. He's always going to extend if he uses his right. That's always going to happen. He's always going to extend when he uses his right. And the problem with that is if you extend and you let Izzy get like an uppercut or something, you're going to sleep. Let's just be honest. Izzy is that guy with this stuff. So he he kept going for that left. It was like a jab, jab. It was like a double jab, double jab, or a double jab with like a hook or something like that. But it was mostly with the left hand most of that fight so he kept cutting him off and one of those rounds actually i think it was round uh 
I don't know what round it was, but he, he, he was able to take Izzy down and not he didn't do much with it, but it did look like he should have shot a little bit more. But again, I think he just didn't want to get timed because if he goes for a takedown and Izzy catches him, you know, he's going down. And with, with how the way with the way that the ref stop fights, like if he gets knocked down even once, he's gonna if he gets knocked down and Israel's able to get a few more shots, the ref might stop it easily or quickly. But yeah, it was an interesting watch, uh, an interesting watch for sure. And also, this is again where the commentary was absolutely some of the worst commentary because Izzy, Izzy and and Robert are out there fighting for their lives, right? And Robert again, he lost round one, but he knows he lost round one. Robert knows he lost round one, and these dudes are out here saying, "Uh, what what were they saying that was pissing me off?" No, no, no. Bisping is out there saying, "Hey, wait, he need, he needs to, he needs to throw something else in that left hand. He needs to throw something else in that left. The left hand was working though, and he knows that if he if he has the left like this, he keeps his 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 chin back. But when you throw that right one, your chin is out and you get hit. That that's what's gonna happen. At least I think that's why he didn't go for it. So, cause cause Israel can take a punch. So if Israel takes a punch and then hits you with one himself." You know, he might hit you on the button again. And I don't know if, if Robert's... I doubt you would consider, like, Robert's chin to be um, weak. But, if you know, we've seen him get knocked out before uh, by Izzy. So, I think he just didn't want that to happen again. And I, I know, in my eyes, Robert won round five. Izzy for sure run one round two. So, two, three... I mean, round one. Izzy wins round one easily with the knockdown. And I thought Robert won round five because he got the takedowns. Even though that wasn't control, I think it was close enough to where the takedowns stole the round. Um, so then now you're doing two, three, uh, two, three, and four. And some people say that that Robert won two. And but the problem is if you say Robert won round two, three and four look just like round two. You know what I mean? So I think uh Cause I um I don't know uh what some people cause I do understand the fact that it was a a, a competitive fight, but I do feel like when when they said Israel Adesanya, I was like okay this that's that's what happened right he he lost I mean he won, and uh, Bobby Knuckles lost, so it, it's it's just an intriguing thing for me to see because there's so much discourse on it was a robbery. I don't think it was a robbery. I think it was a competitive fight. I don't know if it was as close as people think it was, um, but uh, I can I can see the argument. I can see the argument because if you if people do feel that he won round two, then that means he had to win one of three and uh, three and four because they were so similar to round two. I think both of them took calc didn't want to take any risk. And I think that's why Izzy's uh getting um you know, crapped on it because he's the champion, he's supposed to put on the show, but you have to also remember he's the champion, so if he wants to get paid. Uh reminds me of Tim Sylvia when he won the UFC title and he realized that why would I try to get the knockout, risk myself being knocked out and not have this title and not get this world champion pay. So he ended. So you know that's why it was called the dark ages of the of the heavyweights or something like that, because Sylvia wouldn't take those knockout risks and he went. He'd outpoint people 
and Dana hated it. And then he brought back Randy Couture. He beat Couture beat um Tim Sylvia, and Dana was like, "Well, yay." Because, you know, right now we're in one of the weirdest time. We're in a weird time with the UFC. Not Because it's always kind of been like this. But they don't really just care if you win. We saw Leon Edwards win all these fights. And he didn't get a title match. So, they don't care if you just win. They want you to win and be exciting while you win. And Izzy, is he being exciting? I don't know. Um, He says he's bored. He said he was bored. Um, Do I think... I don't know. I just feel like he he shouldn't be, but like I'm not I'm not him. But at the same time, you know why why do I want him to get beat up too? You know what I mean? Like why do I want him to go out there and have a war? He already had a war with Kelvin Gastelum. I think he did. He had that, and he was like, "Whoa! Like why do I have to do that?" And you know he knocked out Robert and uh, who is it? Robert and Paulo. He got he he got them out of there real quick. So we know it's in there, but I don't know if he's trying to do that anymore, because you know he he already he he already lost. He got outpointed. No, I don't think he got outpointed. He actually got beat by Jan Blahovich, but um, he didn't get TKO. But I felt like you know Jan did enough to win that fight. But I don't know. In the in the post fight, he said you don't do enough to win the title. You take the title. I hope that that's not a thing in the UFC because I feel like that's more for boxing. Like, oh, you don't take it. You know what I mean? We we kind of saw a fight not too long ago where, what was it? Davison Figueredo defeated Brandon Moreno. And I felt he did enough to win. I didn't feel like he took the title. You know what I mean? I think he did enough to win. So I hope that doesn't become a thing. I hope that taking just just because i think was it michael chandler or whoever said that it's turning into if if the champion throws enough punches he'll get the nod and i hope that that's not the thing i hope that stays in boxing and i hope that's just not something we can hope for in the future um bobby knuckles came out of this as a loser but a winner in many people's eyes um he says he wants to keep going for it. I think he'll do one more run at it. Some people say he should move weight classes. I think he's way too... I don't want him to get knocked out like uh, Chris Weidman and Luke Rockhold did as as a light heavyweight. I, I think he'll... I'd, I don't think that's the move for him. People are saying 170. The, like, the people... I feel like some some people just forget he moved to... He moved to 185 because he was struggling to do 170. Could he make it with, like, a different diet and everything? Yeah, he could, but does he want to? You know what I mean? I think he'll have, he'll do, he'll have another set of fights. He'll probably have to be, what, like a Vittori and a Strickland and someone else to probably get another rematch at Izzy. It's it's really hard for, uh, if if there's uh, two fights and you lose both of them, it's really hard for... Because the UFC is how the UFC is, he's, you know, Dana is one of those believers that if they already had it twice, even though he's number one or number two, you don't want to see that again. I would like to see it one last time. I would like to see it one more time. But um, 
what's next for both. Well, Rob said he's taking he's taking the vacay. He's got to see the family. I respect it. Izzy says he wants to go back at it in June, so like three months from now, and he wants to he wants to fight uh, Cannoneer. Well, they, we know Cannoneer is the next guy. So the question is, can Cannoneer beat Izzy? Probably not, but you never know. You never know. Can, I think Izzy even said before the rematch when they had Robert versus Cannoneer, before they had that, you know, he wanted to fight Cannoneer. So I think it'll be a good fight. I think Izzy, because I would say he's going to knock him out, but you know what I mean? He's not a wrestler, so maybe there's more of a chance of a knockout because he's, he's a striker, but that'll be something to look forward to, uh, the Izzy and Cannoneer fight in June. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, Jamal Hill, I think Johnny Walker versus Jamal Hill on um, as their next fight night. I think it was originally going to be Makachev versus uh, who? Who was the other guy? Uh, Dos Anjos versus Makachev. Um, that's not happening anymore. Islam Makachev. Yeah, Islam Makachev. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not happening anymore. It's gonna be on another on another card, but that is the UFC event coming up soon. Oh crap! Nice, Jose. Now you're messing up the 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 video. All right, nice. So now we're in the NBA. Two weeks ago, we had the trade deadline. Let's talk about it. Um. I know it's a little bit late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know when I was going to do this podcast, but I finally found a perfect day of the week to do this. So let's get started with the Mavs and Wizards trade. Wait, where is it? Let's make this look professional. Yeah, yeah, guys. Yeah, guys. Yeah, guys. Yeah, guys. Yeah, guys. Oh, look, it looks so nice. Nah, nah. But, um... We'll start with the Mavs and Wizards trade. Um, Spencer Dimwitty and Davis Bertans for Chris Taps Porsingis and a 2022 second rounder. I'm be honest. I'm be honest. That was a terrible segue, but we're just getting straight into it. My bad. Mm, the trade is so and so. I understand why you get you get rid of Porzingis. Cause I, I also think that he probably wasn't loving his time there anymore. They weren't using him how he should be used. I think they were trying to just use him as like a pick and roll big man type thing or like someone who could make the the, the 3 and D type thing. And he's just not one of those dudes. Um, It's a so-and-so trade because what we know is Spencer lost the locker room in, in the Wizards. He, he's, he's not well. He did not. People wanted him out. We know that. Davis Bertans is having one of the worst seasons of his career. Um, I don't know. We'll see the result. I do think they needed someone like Spencer because the problem is when Luka's off the court, who who else is going to keep the game going? But I also think when Chris Tapps was on the Mavs, they were, they were still guarding Chris Tapps. And now that's going to just all the attention on the defense is going to go to to um, Luka Doncic. And that's that's going to be interesting to see how he goes through that. Luka Doncic is a stud and 
he'll find a way for sure. But I, I don't know. I don't know. If Davis can get the threes going in, I think I think that's what they want. You know what I mean? That they wanted a three and D guy. So if he can get the, the three pointers to go in, I think they'll have a good team, but we'll have to see. I can see it working. The Wizards got Chris Taps for I guess Bradley Beal or something. I don't know. Um it's there. He's he's just he just hurt too much. You know what I mean? He's just so hurt. He's just so hurt. Cause that that's the one thing when people are saying, I make the argument that oh the defense kind of still covered Chris Taps when he was on the mask. Cause you know it's just it's Chris Taps. They're always gonna cover him, but he's rarely on the court for them to cover him. So Luca was already kind of going through that. So that's why I think he'll make he'll 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 find a way to go through this. But. I don't know. It's an interesting trade. I I don't know. I, I really don't know about that Chris Tapps and Bradley Bill fit, but maybe it works. Bradley is not having the best season either. So the more help for each of them, the better. It's an interesting trade for sure. I don't know if it's a winning trade. I'm just doing the top picks. Let's, let's get that straight. The top trades. So next, going from the Mavs, we go all the way. Well, from the Wizards, we go all the way to Brooklyn as we see the trade is James Harden and Paul Millsap to the Sixers and the Nets get back Ben Simmons and Seth Curry with Andre Drummond, a 2022 first rounder and a 2027 first rounder, which means, what does that mean? That means that uh, there, there's a kid in high school who's going to get drafted by the Nets sometime in five years or something like that. So with this trade, all I see is James wanted out. The big three played together 16 games, and he wanted out. Um, I think there's some valid reasons why James wanted out. Let's just get that straight because you have this Kyrie stuff. He's not gonna get vaccinated. I don't have any opinion on that. I just that's what we know. We know he's not gonna. He he doesn't want to get vaccinated. That's what we know. Um, he, he feels like it violates, like it's, it violates him. So he's not going to get vaccinated. And I don't think James is like, go get vaccinated. But like, it's like, I think it's, it, it was annoying him that, oh, you don't want to get vaccinated and you're willing to waste the season for it. I think that's what, I don't know. Again, I don't really care what anyone does, but with that subject, but I think that's what happened. And I think he kind of felt like he, he was annoyed with the antics. He felt they were antics. I, I don't think they were antics, but that's what he felt. So then we go to the uh, Kevin Durant injury, and he's like, okay, so now you're injured, right? Now you're injured. My other team plays, my other, my other big three member plays part-time. You're injured. So I'm, I, it's Houston again. <laughs> so it's Houston again, right? So... I think he just wanted out. He goes to, he goes home to Philly. He said he didn't want to ask for a trade because he was going to seem like a drama queen or something like that. Or he was going to look like a a nuisance. He looks like a nuisance still. Um, He looks like as soon as it starts getting harder again, I think he wants to ring so bad that as soon as it starts getting harder again, he doesn't want to do that. So he'll, he'll, he doesn't mind going to another team. So he goes to Philly where... It can work. It can work. It's going to be interesting if they ever meet each other in the playoffs. That'll be really interesting. 
But it, it can work. It can work. I can see, like, a point. I don't know if James is still that guy in, from Houston. Though. That's the thing. So, he's still, like, he still feels he's a superstar. We saw him in the playoffs last season. But he was injured. He was coming off an injury. So, we'll, we'll see how it works. We'll see how it works. Um, And he's fit. He was fitter this season. He came in. He went last season. He went in last season overweight. So, he was really fit this season. He, he came in with the right mindset. I think he just got in the weight of what was going on. And so he gets out of there. He gets out of there. He goes back home to Philly. And now he has Joel Embiid as his co-star. And, you know, they'll make the playoffs. I don't know. Uh, it, it looks like a, a contending team, but not like a championship contending team. More like a, they'll make the playoffs. They'll be competitive. Second, maybe conference championships, and that's it. Now we go to what the Nets got. Ben, uh, they get Ben, Seth, and Andre. With two first round picks. And. It's an interesting trade. I don't know how. It's because. Okay well Ben. Ben will work for defense. But Ben works with the ball in his hand. So he probably won't score points. So uh, won't score as many points as he usually does. So now you're just getting a defensive player. Now you get Seth Curry. And I think that's great. Uh, uh, Three, any anyone who scores three pointers right now is is good for your team, and who scores them consistently, it's good for the team. So Seth Curry, shout out to him, because now he's on a winning team again, and I and I, I want to see him win. I, I want to see Seth win, just because like he deserves a, he deserves a ring. I don't know if he's won one. I doubt he has. And now Andre Drummond, and you can say what you want about Drummond. I can make every joke I can about Drummond. He's there. He's there. He's there. Um, they needed a big. They needed some big. So he's there. He'll make the human. He'll get the rebounds. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully he'll get the rebounds. But it's a. It's a. It's an okay. It's it's okay. Uh, let's be honest. It's it's okay for them. We'll we'll see. I feel like there's more of a mystery of what can happen on the Nets because I don't know about that fit with Ben Simmons, Kyrie, and Katie on the court. James Harden fit way better because he can't shoot. But we know Ben can't shoot. So is he going to be like the main ball handler? I doubt that because that's what Kyrie does. KD can play off the ball. We've already seen that. So it's interesting. It's interesting. It It's really interesting. I don't know. I feel, I feel very... I, I don't fall in either court with this, but... James won it out, and the Nets got what they could. I think they got a, a good lot, but I don't know about if it fits. So, shout out to the Nets. Shout out to the to the 76ers for getting their trade on. Now, this is the last big trade, and it won't fit in this tiny box. So, I'm about to, yeah, make it go boom. It's out. And now, bam. Oh, man, you can't really even read that. Let's put this on this side. Bam. Ah, that's a little better. That's as good as it's going to get. The massive 14 trade. Now, this isn't really as big as a trade, but I like it because it's just so much, so many so many factors everywhere, right? Bucks get Surge, a sec, two second rounders, one from Sacramento, one from Detroit. That's nice with cash considerations. Great. Clippers get Rodney Hood, Sammy Ojele, Vanya Marinkovic. And the Kings get Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles, David Mitchell, and a second rounder. And the Pistons get Marvin Bagley. 
We'll start from the Bucks. The Bucks get a great defensive player, and the Clippers get rid of someone who I think was taking up some cap salary cap, so they they fixed that. And he wasn't even getting that many minutes in the Clippers. He'll get way more minutes on the Bucks. I think that was a great value. I think for what they gave up. What did they give up? Oh well, they gave up a, a few players. I'm not sure. They gave up one guy that I wasn't sure. I think Dante. Uh, yeah, but he he hasn't even playing to what he he was playing at even beforehand. But shout out um to Serge, he's gonna be on a team and be a factor on the team again. And now we'll go to the Clippers. Clippers get Rodney Hood, Zemio Jele, and Vanya Marinkovic. Other than Rodney Hood, what really is there on this team? I I don't he hasn't played I remember in Portland he had a great start and I think he tore his Achilles or he tore his ACL one or the other and he hasn't uh been nearly as good as he used to be but um we'll see we'll see Samuel Jale I really d couldn't tell you my opinion on him and I couldn't really tell you my opinion on uh Vanya Marinkovic. I really couldn't tell you because I, I don't watch any games to watch Vanya and Samuel Jale. But the Rodney Hood will be an interesting get. And I think they saved money on it. I think that's why it's, they, they gave away cash considerations because um, I think they saved money. And they got rid of someone who they really didn't use in Serge Ibaka. So it's an interesting get. Uh, I don't know if those players have been waived yet, but some of them might get waived. The Kings got Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Jackson, and Trey Lyles. I absolutely hate Trey Lyles. I remember what I forgot what season it was. We got rid of Davis Bertans. We, were, we thought we were going to bring one of the Morris twins in. I think Marcus. He then went to New York after the fact. So after that, we were like, hey, uh, we need to get someone, so we use our 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 MLE exception, <laughs> and we get Trey Lyles and Trey stunk up the joint because we put him in a role that he was never gonna be good at. I don't know what he's good. Not that he's a shit player. He'll beat me. On the, not that he's a terrible player. I'm gonna have to bleep that out. Not that he's a terrible player. Um. I just, like, I know, you know what I mean? Like, no one watches the game and is like, oh, Trey Lyles, you know what I mean? So, it's it's, <laughs> it's an interesting get. Uh, but I just, I don't like Trey Lyles, I'll be honest. Uh, he stunk up the joint for the Spurs. I'm a Spurs fan. Um, they get Josh Jackson, who hasn't lived up to what we all thought he would be. Um, he looked like a star. I remember when he came in. I, th I he just has a look of like someone like a star, but he struggled. I know he struggled a lot off court. I won't speak on that, but I know defensively he's a, he's he's pretty good, but you know it's the king, so he might struggle again. Um, and the Kings also got Dante Divincenzo. Dante actually was playing great basketball last season. And I think the season before, but he got injured and he hasn't really reached the same uh, productivity that he's had before. So it's interesting to see if he will get back there. It's the Kings again. So it's going to be really weird if 
it'll be really telling if all these guys who I'm saying, like, it'll be weird, like Josh Jackson and Dante, if they reach their heights again or if they stay as bad as they as they kind of playing. They're not playing terrible. I won't ever say Dante is playing terrible because he's coming back from an injury, but at least right now. But if he keeps, if he stays at the level he's playing right now, not that it's bad, it's just not as efficient. It'll be telling because, you know, he's on the Kings now. So, yeah. Oh, and they got David Michui. I have no idea who that is. So, we'll move on from that. And a second rounder from Detroit, which might be in the highs. So, that's a good. Any second rounders from Detroit is perfect. And the Pistons get Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley will, for right now, forever be known as a dude that was Trey, uh, what was it, drafted in between Trey and and uh, Luka Doncic. <laughs> I mean, I think we're he gets another season or two, but here's the problem. Well, for the Pistons, it's a good get because they're the Pistons, and what what they they traded Josh in this trade and Trey Lyles, and they get Marvin Bagley. Those are the players, and they obviously some second rounders, but they don't. I don't know. I didn't think they they traded anything too valuable because they're the Pistons. So they trade these players, and they get back a former what top ten pick who hasn't planned out panned out well. So now people are like, okay, he he was on he was on the Kings, so he can get out of this thing that's not letting him evolve as a better player. He's going to the Pistons. That's no better of an organization. So I feel bad because he's gone to now he's on two two bad teams. But I also think we we know who he is now. I, I think we know who he is now. I don't think he'll ever be a uh uh. A great player. I think he, he, he could get to an all-star, but that's all I see. Who was it? If Devin Harris, I think he was on the Nets, right, can get on an all-star team, Marvin Bagley can find a way to get on an all-star team. I just don't know how because it's just he's, he's, he's going to two bad organizations back-to-back. And, you know, hopefully he's taking this seriously. Hopefully maybe he sees it as a, as a oh, I finally got out. And, you know, I know his daddy goes on Twitter all the time. Pan that out. Just concentrate on basketball. He's on a bad team, so maybe he can, you know, because we, we see a lot of good players go on some teams that are not that good, and then they have the time of their lives because they can play however they want to play. So... Uh, hopefully he gets to go on a little bit of a run and prove to people that he's uh, a, a good player. Because I feel like he's not been given the opportunity where he's been at. Because, you know, the Kings, with this Marvin Bagley trade, have basically just said, we don't believe in him anymore. So we're going to still keep building around De'Aaron Fox. So... That is an interesting trade. It's the I think it's the biggest trade because it's a four team trade with like the most players and stuff. Uh, no one lost. No one lost. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where all these players go from there. Again, I think Serge landed in a good place. Rodney Hood. We'll see how it goes. If he gets if he ever gets back to what he was, uh, he'll be perfect on any team. 
Uh, we'll see if Dante can come back from that injury, come back stronger, and we'll see if Marvin Bagley can evolve from the from the player that he's been for a long time. So with that, we are through with the NBA, and now we are going to the oldest game or what America's game, I think it was, it's called or something like that. We're going to the MLB. Now we're going straight to the news. There isn't really much ML like actual games being played, but we know because obviously MLB lockout right now. So one thing that came up, uh, I think last week, I don't know if it's been resolved or anything like that is that the MLB feels as though minor league players should not be paid during spring training. That is absolute dog crap. Let's just be honest. That That is absolute dog crap. They're saying they're paying them in, in an opportunity. And that is like, that is so like rich people speak. Like, oh, but you get the, you get the opportunity to be a, a, a one of these top players and things like that. And I just feel like, what a piss take. Like, what an actual piss take, man. Like, it, it actually kind of... It, it, not that it hurt me, but I'm just like, really, man? Really? Like, you don't want to... These dudes get paid peanuts. These dudes get paid peanuts. Minor League Baseball, my M M was it M-I-L-B? They don't get paid crap. They don't get paid livable stuff. Or if they do, they get paid like 30, 20K, something like that. They don't get paid a lot. So you're telling me you can't pay these dudes for spring training, man? Are you kidding me? That's, that's to me, that's just, it's interesting. It's interesting that they always, it's always on like people, because these, these are the lowest of the low. Let's be honest. These are like the low, not the lowest of the low, but these are, you're not giving, you're not even talking about the, the major guys. Oh, we should lower the salary cap. They're getting paid millions. Okay, whatever. But now you're like, oh, but these minor league guys, don't pay them. Don't pay them a penny because we're giving them the opportunity. It's 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 insane. Minor, minor league players should be paid. I'm not saying they should be paid millions, but they should be paid for showing up to something that you don't have to show up to. You know what I mean? So I think these guys deserve a little bit more respect and should be paid their little 20 or their 10k. I I I'd, I'd kill to play a, a to play a sport for 10k, 30k. I'd love to do it. So I just feel as though the the difference is I I go to you know, I go to college, I go to school. These dudes this is like their goal to get into the MLB. So you're telling me you can't pay them? Crazy. So it'll be something that's brought up during the lockdown during the lockout. And hopefully it's not resolved by, oh, yeah, we'll just concede. Like, hopefully the players don't just concede. Hopefully they don't just concede and are like, okay, yeah, they don't have to be played. Hopefully they get paid. And hopefully this whole spiel of not paying people is done. Because these these billionaires, I was going to say million. No, these billionaires, they get their money all the time. So come on. Throw throw a few bones, man. And I know some people don't like that. Oh, throw a bone. But I feel like they deserve it. They deserve it. So moving on from lockout news, we're going on to the... I think even though some people will argue that the stars in boxing are at, at this point are bigger than the stars in uh, 
the UFC. I think boxing news is important because boxing also goes 365. There's no off season. And one of the bigger news, we'll also talk about, um, I wanted to talk about, I mean, is Ryan Garcia actually split from Team Canelo and his reasoning was he wanted independence. I'm gonna be honest. That's the most BS I've ever heard. Oh no, independence, and he wanted to build his own brand. That's that's exactly what what happened. Um, Ryan Garcia will knock me out. You know what I mean? But I'll be honest, this is absolute dog crap. <laughs> because here's an opportunity to learn from. One of the best 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 of the best, right? And you're telling me that, oh, but I wanted my independence, though. These dudes are, I don't know. I just feel like for sure, they, like whoever, like a manager is in his ear or someone is in his ear and they want him to be a millionaire or something like that, which I want Ryan to make as much money as he can, too. But I, I don't know if this is the way because... You know, we know from the from that dream that the, the goal is not really talking. The goal is performing. So you're telling me that this this dude was just like, nah, like, I want to win. Not that I want to win, but it's just, it's saddening. It's saddening because I feel like there's potential there to be one of the best boxers in the world. And he's consistently talking and he's not in that boxing ring. He hasn't fought since, what, last January where he had a great showing. I don't know. I don't know about the 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 guys. I don't. I think like now after a while, I'm starting to think he is probably one of those dudes that wants to just he he likes the fame, for sure. Ryan likes the fame. Let's get that out of the picture. Ryan likes the fame, but you would think that he would want to keep pursuing boxing, and it looks like he wants to just keep posting Instagram uh Instagram posts. He just wants to keep posting on Instagram. He wants to keep talking on Instagram. He wants to keep talking on Twitter. He's not in that boxing ring. I think he had an injury, but he should come, like, this year we need to see a Ryan Garcia fight. It's going to be against a no one, but we need to see a Ryan Garcia fight to see that this dude is for real. Because he's been talking for a long time, and we haven't seen him in a boxing ring. Okay? And... Mm-mm-mm. Come on, man. Come on, man. Because we know from that, from that, uh, from that camp, from Canelo's camp, that it's about the ring. What we do in the ring is more important than what than what we have to talk about. You know what I mean? But Ryan is going about it in a weird way, and so he leaves that team. He's gonna go to another team, another gym, and hopefully he finds what he's looking for and he can build his brand. But I feel like he's making a mistake, at least in the boxing department. But he he won't he won't suffer from it. We've seen this this time and time again. Until unless someone just comes very prepared to knock him out, he'll fight nobodies and he'll get the wins and he'll be fine. He'll be fine. I just feel like. The boxing, like he could have learned from Canelo and his trainers, uh, would have put him on a different level. But he'll be fine. They'll, he, he. I just think it's a little bit immature 
and whoever's in his ear. Hopefully their their goal is to, you know, do what's the best for him. So with that, we are done with boxing. And now we're to the and more part. And here's the thing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else to speak about. But one thing I think that we should get into at least next time is you be ready to expect a review on the UFC fight night card coming up. We'll talk about a few more games we see uh, during the week. NBA for sure. And we'll talk about some uh, football instead of football, which it is the same thing. Uh, and we'll also t- talk about uh, boxing too. Um, MLB and uh, NFL probably won't be on here next week because there just isn't enough unless something big comes. We'll talk about that, but like the lockout news, there wasn't too much, but I just wanted to bring that to people's attention because it's, you know, horse crap, but yeah. Um, that is what to expect next week, but to everyone else, I say thank you for listening. Uh, if there's even a listener, I'm going to keep doing this until there is some listeners because I want people to hear my opinion and be able to respond to their opinion. So appreciate that. And I appreciate whoever listened. This is, uh, JJ, I'm going to say goodbye, good night, and this has been the Let's Do Sports Podcast.